Hey Warriors, and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. Um, yes, I didn't do last week. I actually ended up staying the whole week in Louisiana and spending time with uh, my wife's family, and it was a great time. It was also exhausting because just being around people all the time. I'm the type of person that, you know, I don't mind having time with people, but I also kind of need a break, and, I, and sometimes it just gets hard. But otherwise, the trip went well. Uh, the writing down there went great, but the writing on the way back is when things got a little different. About four minutes before we got back, our check engine light popped on again. And it seems like it could be uh, a part of the sensor for the oxygen intake. So guess what? I have to take the car in again. It's really frustrating, but I don't know what God's going to do through all this. And... A positive point is that I have a connection of a friend who got me connected to a friend, which ironically is funny. The person that is a general manager for a car place up in Hillsborough is who he got me connected to, which, you know, as you all know, we're planning on church planning there. Coincidence? Definitely not. It's a God thing, and we'll see what happens. Um, we may get another vehicle in sometime near soon, which would be a positive. Unfortunately, it won't be exactly what I was hoping for. You know, I was hoping to be able to move first and then worry about getting a vehicle. But, you know, God has reasons and he has a plan and we'll find out. So you can pray for that. You can pray for all the situations that will all work out. Anyway, guys, it is now 2023. It is the new year. And I figured that this would be a great time to talk about starting this new year in the right step, the right footing. Uh, I'm probably going to call this the men, men of the year episode. And the idea behind this is, are you ready to be a man of God? Are you excited about being a man of God? Do you want to change this year? Cause I know we talk about all the time, the new year coming in that we make these commitments, we try to watch our way, we try to you know, work out more, we try to make good decisions, we're gonna change our life, but then usually it lasts about a month, maybe two. So the question is, guys, you've already probably have changed, you've made good decisions this last year, but this year is the start of a new year. Are you willing to say, Lord, show me how to be a man of God? Show me what it means to be a man of the year for you. So, you know, I know this is kind of the play of that, that statement, like the man of the year is usually on the, that magazine. I think it's time magazine. And, you know, they always pick somebody like they were talking about a few months ago. And I decided that, yeah, well, how about us? How about we be men of the year? How about we decide that we want to be men who are following Christ, men who are obeying God's word, people are actually men that are praying, men that are leading our families, men that are, are doing what we're supposed to be doing for God. So the question is, how will you change this year to be more of a man of the year for God? You know, one of the verses, or I should say a couple verses that I actually have for Warrior Within is in 1 Corinthians 16. We've talked about it here and there, but this is kind of like a review step. So we go down to verse 13 and 14. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now we know how hard it is as guys to be loving. 
I mean, I'm not talking about the romantic department. I'm talking about just being loving. A lot of times we want to be this hard, we have no emotion, tough as nails type of a guy, you know, that, that man of steel mindset where, you know, you, 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 we break a finger, we pop it back in, we scrape a knee, we just wipe the blood away and we just get up and keep going. That bootstraps mentality, pull up your bootstraps and just go. But the thing is, the idea about loving is always depicted as the romantic view. So it's like, oh, but you know, I'm a romantic guy. That's not what loving means because there is different forms of love and loving as a man should and should always start with the understanding of loving God first. You see, one of the battles that we have today is that we do not understand what it means to truly love. We always think about, you know, that first part. We love that first verse. Thir verse 13, we would stop there. It says, be, be watchful. In other versions, it says, be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. You know, you, you think of soldiers and, you know, bang, you know, pounding those shields together and, and you know, just being gruff and oh, beards. You know, we, we get that image and that picture of what we think men should be. But then right after verse 14 it says, then do it all in love. And now we're like, oh, no. Well, you know, I'm a loving guy. You know, we always think about like that big teddy bear concept or that that loving giant concept. You know, we think of like Harry Potter and we think of, I always forget his name, but he, Hagrid, you know, how he is this big, strong monsters of a man. But he's also very kind, gentle, and loving. And we sit there and we're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, you know, it seems tough, but, you know, he's a little bit too mushy for me. See, the thing is, I really believe that one of the problems we have today is we have this bad view of manhood. You know, today there should be goals. There should be goals for us this year. Well, three goals for, for this year should be, I should be a praying man. I should obey God's word. And then I should trust him in everything that's going to happen this year. You know, the world always depicts this image, how it has to be a celebration that, you know, things are going to get better. Be confident. You can do this. You know, like there's this confident boost that goes on in the beginning of the year. But as time goes, suddenly that boost is slowly gone away because it's a commercialized view of happiness, joy. Though those two are not the same thing. That's the mindset behind that push. But the truth is we're supposed to be standing firm in the faith because of that verse talks about it. Now I've made mention about being more watchful, but standing firm in the faith requires us to be a, in a steady stance, march movement towards a direction. And the three areas that I really think that men need to really focus on a lot better at is one praying. Praying is vital. We should be praying men, men that should be, you know, either getting up in the morning, praying over your wife, praying over your family, praying over your friends in the evening, praying for your wife, praying like it, it should be a regular thing. You should be praying for protection. You should be praying for strength. You should be praying for clarity. You should be praying for wisdom. You should be praying for a teaching moment, praying for why am I going through this situation? Lord, teach me. It should be part of who you are as a man. 
It shouldn't be the last thing. It shouldn't be something when things aren't working out. Okay, now, Lord, I'll finally pray with you. I'll finally talk with you. It should be automatic. I keep hearing too many guys who think they have to figure this all, like figure out life all by themselves. They never ask God for any clarity, never understanding, never patience. They don't, they don't want to, they want to ask any of that because they think men just have to be strong. So they don't really pray about issues. This is why so many men don't write on a notebook because they don't want to do a diary or a journal. And it's like, well, it's not that men have a tendency to not open up period. And one of the reasons why I always challenge guys to get yourself a journal book of some type to write out your prayers, write out your questions, write out your thoughts, because writing things out takes what's ever in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your pain, in your hurt, in your anger, your pride, takes all that, puts it out on a piece of paper so that you can see it, you can say it out loud, and therefore you can work with it. And I don't mean you figure out all the answers, but you can say, Lord, I don't understand. Give me clarity. Help me to understand all of this. I don't, I don't understand this. I don't understand why my car has to break down. I don't understand why my job fired me in the beginning of the year. I don't understand why my wife is sick. I don't understand why my child is struggling um, mentally and emotionally. I don't understand why suddenly um, I, I can't afford rent. I don't understand why my girlfriend left me. I don't like. We could keep going, saying everything, everything that we could think of that just comes out, write it out. And then allow God to have control of that. We talked about it not too long ago about surrendering everything when we have problems because anxiety builds up inside of us. It's the same concept. Praying is an opportunity to do that. I would even encourage writing out your prayers because... It's really neat when you write it out and then later on you can go back and you go, oh, I remember when I prayed about that. And you're like, oh, I and write down what God did. But sometimes you get answers or a clarity that comes and you can write it out. See, that's why I think prayer is important. Obedience, obeying God is another area that I think men struggle a lot. We want to be macho. We want to be the tough guy. We want to be the guy who no emotion. But the problem is when we obey the scriptures, that persona does not work. Obeying God means you're obeying what the word says. You're also obeying what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. But that takes you studying. That takes you getting into a Bible study that takes you finding other men to pray with, talk with and encourage that takes you leading your family to go to church. That's taking, taking you not to just go to church, but also to live out your life for him in obedience. That's taking God's word and putting it into your life as part of your living. Okay. Many of us sit there and we go to church and we pay our tithe and say, Hey, I did my man's job. I, I go to work. I pay for the bills. I get the food. I actually literally go hunt for food. I have my manly hobbies. But the truth is you haven't obeyed God any further than just the simplistic capability of being a provider. And that's not 
what God has asked us to only be. Obeying means you obey all of that. You don't do partial work when your boss asks you to do it. You do what you're asked because if you don't, you're going to get in trouble. Same thing with God. If you don't obey what he's doing, you're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. You're going to have things happen. You're going to struggle. You're going to have situations that are going to come up and you're going to be like, why? And then God's going to say, because you didn't obey. And you're going to be like, yes, I did. I went to church. That's not what being a Christian godly man is. Just going to church, just being a part of a Bible study is not just it. It's living your life in obedience. Jesus did this. He lived his life in obedience to God the Father because he was going to be our example of what an obedient Christian is supposed to be. Even though he was God as man, a perfect being perfect version of man. He died on the cross for us. He is our example of what we're supposed to be in obedience to him, to God. And then the third one is trusting. Man, do we struggle with trusting, especially if we've been hurt. I've been hurt. I know what it's like to be hurt and trust is just really hard to have, especially for me is towards guys because guys are the ones that bullied me the most. So building those relationships with guys has always been a challenge for me. Other guys, it could be women. Others could be older guys. It could be, there's there's just so many things that we can pick and choose and why we struggle with that trust. But we got to have trust in God. If anything else, trust in God. That means even if the so-called good feeling of the beginning of the new year starts out with your child in the hospital, you're going to trust God to take care of your child. But I lost my job. You're going to trust God to provide another job. You're going to trust him to provide the money that you need right now until that job comes. My car broke down. You're going to trust God to provide. See, the key thing in these three points is where is your relationship with God? If you are a man of God, if you're supposed to be wanting to be a godly man, a man of the year, then the idea is that you have to be building this relationship with God. And it comes with prayer, comes from obeying his word, which means you have to be studying it to know how to obey God. You need to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. And then two is trusting him no matter what the cost, no matter what actually happens. Because God himself is not some form of formula that you can figure out mathematically or with science or with intellect that gives you a better understanding of who God is. You can't understand him because he is God, but he can give you a obedient understanding of him through scriptures, through other people's experiences as they grew, grew in their faith. You know, we can learn from other people's mistakes, but we also have to be willing to listen to other people. Now in Psalms, it talks about the wise counsel. You, If you take it, you're going to find wisdom. And if you get foolish counsel, you're going to get foolish wisdom. So in other words, not good wisdom. So the idea is, guys, these three points 
are vital for this year. I think if anything, if you take anything else on the rest of this episode, remember this year, make a commitment to pray, make a commitment to obey, make a commitment to trust because life is going to get hard. Now, if we go to, um, let's see, first Timothy four, right? And we start at verse six. It states, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed, having nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. The key statement here is train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in, in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance for to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe godliness, godliness, godliness. You know, we've talked about different parts of what a man's character, you know, you know, we, we've talked about scriptural stuff. Godliness is a form of obedience of doing what is what we're supposed to be chasing after, which is holiness. So being godly means you have to know who God is, first of all. So a godly man is someone who is as an ad, like uh an English statement the the why am I not remembering this word? Basically godly, I'm sorry guys. Being godly describes the type of man you're supposed to be. And to understand godliness, uh, the three parts I said pre- being prayful this year, obedient and trusting is how you can get to that point of actually truly being godly because morally thinking, you should be making godly choices. So we've mentioned, hey, you know, you're dating this girl, but you're living together. That's not godly. You know, you know, I, you know, I, I hang out with my friends and when I'm hanging with my friends, sometimes I lose control and I start cussing like a sailor and I start drinking way too much about that's not being godly. Well, sometimes my kids are just so annoying and I just get super angry and I have to go punch a wall and I have to, that's not being godly. Each of these scenarios, there is something in your past that is causing you to follow your fresh, your flesh. Okay. Well, you know, you know, my wife and I, the only way we can really, you know, get romantic is if we watch stuff on TV that's inappropriate. That's not being godly. You see, here's the key thing. You can use the verse like, well, nothing corrupts the, the marriage. But the, see, the problem is you're not feeding the marriage. You're feeding your flesh. You're feeding the desire that you have. And then you're enacting it with your wife to please yourself. But not because you want to please yourself with your wife, but you want to please yourself with your flesh. And you need to be really careful with the understanding that you we like to excuse our sinful life and remove the concept of godliness as the vital point because we go to church, do our tithe, we're part of a Bible study. Mostly I'm a good person. So therefore I'm a godly person. No godly person is to try to remove sinful stuff from your life. 
try to do it right. Like my challenges I have, um, cause of my past, my competitive gets me to a point where I can get very angry and I need to work on that. And I've been working on it. It's been getting better. It's been really cool seeing God slowly move me to be able to do better at that. Doesn't mean that I'm being hundred percent godly when I, or I should say when I am acting that way, it means I'm not being godly. The act of wanting to repent and change and to grow, that is what we're supposed to be focused on. Okay. So <clears throat> being in these verses, it, it points out like uh, verse eight, it says for a while bodily training is of some value. I think what he was like talking about is that people were probably focused on being vainly because in, in Corinth, no, this isn't Corinth. Yeah, no, this isn't Timothy. There was probably battles with appearance. Which, guess what, guys? We see it today, do we not? Which we'll talk a little bit more in the second half. So appearances, attitudes, actions, uh, ways that can improve ourselves in an earthly matter is where a lot of times we end up focusing on, do we not? I want you to think about that as we'll take a quick break and come back right after this. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey Warriors, welcome to the second half. And we were just talking about how the world's perspective kind of gets into our view of manliness or manhood. And that's how we start kind of depicting godliness. We think that, oh, well, you know, I started my own business. I made lots of money. I put money towards the church more probably than most people. I have my own home. I have my three kids. I have my cool truck. I have all this property. I'm a man. Because I've heard guys say to other guys, well, you're truly not a man until you have your own home. I'm 40 years old and I'm about to get my first home, hopefully within the next few months. So does that mean I was never a man before? I have no kids. Cause that's another thing. You're not truly men until you have a kid. I have no kids. You see, we are depicting what men are supposed to be, not from a biblical perspective, but from a worldly perspective. And so this training and thinking process is now becoming a part of what a godly man is or what a Christian man is supposed to be. And we need to be really careful because our culture has changed. Some guys aren't getting married until almost 30, 32 years old. Same with girls, gals, you know, times have changed. So you're telling me that for 
until you're married, you're really not a man? No, no, no. Because remember, Timothy was a young pastor. We don't know per se if he was married by this time, but he was supposedly young. And I'm going to assume he was probably between the ages of 18 and 20. Okay. And Timothy was getting letters from Paul because one of the things that was going on is that even though he was placed into position as a pastor, the older guys were trying to kind of overthrow his shepherding with their leadership. And they were kind of treating him badly. And you find out if you read more into Timothy that Paul tells him, don't let them, especially actually in chapter four, don't let them treat you like you're young. Because he has, the, he, he basically is encouraging him. You have the knowledge and understanding. You know how to lead. You know how to be a pastor. Do it. But don't let them do that to you. You see, one of the main things that I notice a lot in this persona of manhood or men today is that we have a very wide influence by the world's design or worldview of men. And we have a sort of whacked version of what it means to be a Christian man. If you were to go back and think about any shows that you watched or movies or like me, like Adventures in Odyssey, um, anything that had like a Christian ideal man as a man, it just never seemed realistic. And even growing up, a lot of times we saw men, they had to have a tie coat and pants. They had their big black Bible in their hand. Kids obeyed him a hundred percent. You know, he stood there almost like he was the, the image of manhood. And the truth is some of those things are true. You should have an orderly home. You should be the leader of your home. Your children should obey but how far do we take that mindset of leadership? You know, I know I talked about a little bit, a man should not be chasing to be the king because a kingly version of kingship is not necessarily good. And one of the things I always have issue too is that men take it too far on women being submissive to the point where the woman doesn't say anything, no counsel to him because he is the Lord of his kingdom. And your wife is your partner you are leading her but she's your partner in taking care of your family and leading him and taking care of the things that she's supposed to be taking care of so you should take heed to her counsel you know that's that's the one thing that always bugged me growing up. I would hear these women when they know that their husband is doing something wrong, they would not say a word, but they would say, I'd pray about it. And the one thing, you know, my wife and I have is if I'm doing something wrong, she will confront me about it. And yeah, I may not like it. I may be upset or it may bother me, but the thing is she confronted me and that's what I want. Because she could see me in a way that other people can't. I can't imagine how many times she's convicted me on things like, you know, oh, well, you did this. And it reminds me that, hey, you know, I got to watch myself. So we got to be careful, even with our so-called Christian worldview of manhood, that we've been kind of feeding our young people it's not really there. And then not only that, but we have the battle of the world because now the world's trying to teach our kids, our young people, acceptance 
in the wrong way. And now we have churches who are also jumping in with the progressive movement, trying to create similar mindset in youth. So when they grow up, you know, man, woman, man, man, woman, woman, off. As long as you love each other and as long as you love God, everything's okay. That's not biblical. We need to be aware of what's happening. And it starts with like the three points I want you to always take. Pray, obey, and trust. We are supposed to be the image of the gospel message and how we lead our family and how we lead people, how we communicate with people, how we treat people, how, how we actually present ourselves. You and I should be the same guy when we're at home, as we are at church, as we are at work, as we are involved with the community. This is why I think individualism has been such a push because we don't want to so-called act a certain way publicly too much. It's easier just to be at home because you could be yourself. But if you're being yourself and you can't act like that in public, then you're basically being deceptive. You know, it doesn't mean you air out all your sins in front of everybody, but you should not be a so-called godly man at church, but at work you're cussing like a sailor and, and getting drunk and, and doing all this stuff with your buddies at work because that's work life. No, I tried my best to always remember at work, at home, church, community, same person. It's vital. Which means then you have to make sure what you're learning, you're living in obedience to him. So if you have a cussing problem, you need to work on it. It shouldn't take you standing in front of a pastor to not cuss. It shouldn't take you having to go to church to not cuss. Because one of the struggles with people who call themselves pastors is they have a hard time finding friends because people are so worried about being so-called judged by the pastor because they're supposed to be the religious leaders. So therefore making a friend of one means to keep myself accountable, which means I can't really be open. And that's the funny part is like the pastor's like, well, I need a friend too. I need someone to be able to hang with and talk with and spend time with and, and, you know, go through my life's battles because I struggle and I need to know I have a, a guy friends that I can connect with. And I know other pastors who feel the same. It's hard for us as, as in spiritual leadership positions. They're like, Oh, you can make friends with other pastors. Yeah, but it's not the same. You know, sometimes when you have other friends that are pastors, we don't live next to each other. Like one of my closest friends lives in New York. And we talk on the phone all the time, but we're not there for each other physically being able to like, you know, just sit there and just pray for each other right there or come and help each other or uh, teach each other or, you know, like encourage each other to keep walking in the faith. We have to do it from afar. We have to do it from a distance. And it's hard. You know, if my car breaks down right now, I have one person I can call to come help one person. My other friends that we have, they're two hours away. There's no one going to ask them to come down two hours to try to help us. 
and another set of friends that are about an hour and a half away. There's no way I can get them to come all the way out there to help. That's why it's very important that you guys, you know, as long as you understand, because one of the fears that pastors have is when they make friends, that people will abuse that friendship for prestige and power within the church. You know, I'm a real, real guy. So if you're not really trying to be my friend and it's starting to look like you're just using it to try to network or connect or have a say, that's not friendship. So we got to be careful with that too. But my whole point was the, 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 the fact is we're supposed to be a version of the gospel and how we act and treat other believers and friends and connections and non-believers and neighbors and, and part of our jobs. It's really important to understand that we are that image because in Galatians one, you go to verse six through 10, it says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. For now I'm seeking the approval of man, or am I seeking approval of God, basically? Or am I trying to please man? If I'm still trying to please man, I am not, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, one of the battles that's going to be going on as we walk with the Lord is that people who are not walking with the Lord don't really get along with us very well, and that even includes Christians. People who you you probably were friends at one point, because I've had some young people, I've had some friends who they started walking with the Lord more and they started noticing that they weren't listening to the same music. They started noticing that they didn't really want to hang out with certain friends. <clears throat> and a lot of times those friends were confused. Why don't you want to hang out? Well, because I don't want to smoke pot anymore and I don't want to drink. And they're like, well, you know, you still hang out. Well, I... I doesn't feel the same anymore sorry guys so the thing is guys the verses that are here are talking about that there can be like well it's like clarified not that there is another version of the gospel but we, the, the gospel message starts becoming corrupted it starts becoming something else because the focus isn't in god anymore the focus is in man fitting in Trying to be a rich person, trying to be a famous person, trying to become more than what God actually intended you to be because you're more interested in being accepted and, and pleasing to people. You see, one of the things about building ministries in church is we have to be careful to never go into the direction about pleasing people. That's not the point of ministry in a church. And sadly, we run into today a lot of people who, well, you know, this worship doesn't get me motivated like it should. You know, this pastor, he, you know, he's, he's a right preacher, but, you know, I don't feel excited when I walk into service. And if you notice, it's starting to become me, 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 when it's supposed to be about God. 
Now it doesn't say what I'm not saying either is if you're, if you feel like God's not wanting to be a part of that church, then you go, remember I said, one of the words is obedience and you go where he's leading you. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a fine line where we start actually using our selfish desires as more of a dictator of whether church is bad or good. You see, one of the things about our church plant, or I'm calling it more our ministry plant, is we want to build up people to be disciplers. And we want them to be more involved in their community. We want them to be more involved in praying with people. We want them to be more involved with connecting with people better and then teaching them about, you know, who Christ is to be talking about the gospel and to be men and women of God and to live their lives right. They need to change things. They may have to actually not just go, well, I work my 40 hours a week and I'm too tired. They may have to actually after work, come and help somewhere and do it. It's going to happen, but it's not going to be about how many people we can get sitting at the church time on a Sunday morning. That's not the goal. If we get a bunch of people showing up because they see what God's doing and they want to be a part of it because they want to obey, they want to trust and they want to be a part of the change that's coming. Great. Because they see what they're supposed to be doing. They're following God. This is the call out to you guys. We need to be wary when we start kind of going away from the image of gospel, of the image of what Christ did, and it's starting to look like a different version of Christianity, progressive Christianity, deconstructing your faith. There's much other things that are out there that are trying to redesign the picture. And they always kind of point out that it's a view that wasn't really popular back then. There's a view that, you know, there's documents and supportive and they start kind of trying to make it seem like it's the secret truth that has been hidden for so long and only a handful of people have discovered it. And it seems to be like taking away from the picture image of Christ as it states in scripture. It starts kind of reinventing a new version of the faith. Be wary. And then the other problem is you got to be careful how much influence you're allowing the world's view into your view that's starting to corrupt your Christian view. It's the progressive Christianity perspective, the wokeness coming into the church. You know, well, love is love. What's the problem? We love each other. Isn't that what God wants us to be loving? We start to see how it starts manipulating the understanding of truth because of one, the one part is we're not doing number two, obeying, which is spending time in God's word to study it, to have a better understanding. And so when things get hard and rough, we start trying to figure out if it's something that we're doing wrong in the ideal of the gospel, instead of making sure that we're just, you know, obeying and trusting him and praying because the bad things are going to happen. Struggles are going to happen. Your car is going to break down. You may have a pipe burst at your house or at your storefront. 
You may have someone quit on you when you really needed them to be there for you. Your wife may leave you. Your girlfriend may leave you. You may lose your friend. Someone might die. There's so many things that we can think, but that's the point of trusting in God is that when things get rough, we understand because we've been praying and because we've been obeying and, and studying in God's word that we can see the goodness of God, the holiness of God, the stuff that, that we have been putting in our hearts and our mind is going to be enough to let us be able to trust that what God will do during those times can be way more amazing because we are willing to trust, even though we get hurt, even though we struggle. Like I told you the six months, last six months of my time over at the, my last job was miserable. And I even got physically hurt during that time from falling. But yet God has been showing himself amazingly faithful, amazingly loving, amazingly encouraging. He helped me through all that anger and frustration to get to this point. And he could do the same for you if you ask. But this year, guys, make the commitment to pray, to obey, and then trust. Be men of the year. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you do. I pray that you bless anybody who listens to this, that you allow their hearts to be open, allow their minds to be open, allow themselves to be willing to change their life today to, one, be more willing to pray, two, be obedient to your word and, and study your word so they can understand how to obey you, and three, do it in trust, living their life in trust, knowing even if things get hard, they can, they, they know that you are there for them. Pray this in Jesus name. Amen. You guys have a blessed week and hopefully I will see you next time.